Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Democracy-ish. I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody. And in this week's edition of White People Fuckery International Edition, Hmm. our sister Naomi Osaka went to the French Open fully intending to win. And part of her plan to win was to keep the media's probing, negative, doubt-filled questions out of her space. She said, I want to protect my peace. And yes, that's an obligation, but you know what? I'll just pay the fine. Like a rich person who wants to drive 200 on the highway, I'll just pay the fine. And the French Tennis Federation said, that's not good enough if you don't submit to Beehive-style post-match interviews you will be defaulted from the tournament, which was not the original penalty. That's not something I've ever heard of. I can't remember anyone ever being defaulted from a major tournament for something they did off the court. Many, many issues to unpack here. I think this is a mental health issue. I think this is a worker rights issue. Um, I think that it's a media issue. The notion that the only way for athletes to communicate with people and to help promote the tournament is to submit to questions from strangers who are from local and global media is absurd. What do you think? You know, one, I just want to applaud Naomi. I I want to applaud her because she is just owning her power and her truth. I am so disgusted with media in general, but particularly around the treatment of black athletes, which is is nothing new, but black women in particular. And I know that she is biracial, but this idea that you are somehow still property and owned by the Federation, owned by these entities and these outlets, like I don't even like the language that we use in sports with trading you know, players as if they are horses, right? As if they are cards and not people with lives and families. And look, I get it. People love to yell and uh, about the rich and say, who cares and everything like that. But what is happening with her 
is indicative of what happens with black women and women of color in the workforce all over the place, regardless of the industry that you're in. That if you set boundaries for yourself, you're either labeled a bitch, right? Or you are told that, you know, you're you're not easy to work with, right? Which means that then you are labeled as a difficult woman, also which means that you don't get which means you don't get promoted. Right. And so if you don't if you don't allow yourself to be used as a fucking workhorse and a mule and do so in an obedient way, keeping your head down and just smiling at Massa, whether they're giving you millions or thousands to or hundreds to barely get by. Right. Then you are thrown out like the baby with the bathwater. And that's what we see happening with her. We saw this happen with Serena um, and, and we've seen it happen with with other women across industries well the people who have responded is responded to this saying it's your job just do your job what you are doing is saying hey there's a worker here she's an independent contractor but she's still a worker she makes a lot of money but she's still a worker a worker saying i don't like all the conditions of my job and i want to agitate to change the conditions of my job and that is something that used to be considered revolutionary and valuable in this country, that we celebrated workers who said, hey, not loving all the conditions, want to ask uh, management for a change. And that you, that so many folks would reflexively support the management position. It's her job. You agreed to this. Do your job. Like, so you are aligning with management? Beside the fact that the management, the leadership here could have handled this in a much more sensitive and delicate way rather than this bullying, hard-handed way, which ultimately seemed like them telling a secretary, get back to your desk and shut the fuck up, but also talk while you're on the way there, rather than saying, hey, we have one of the two major female stars who's offering a significant complaint while she's saying she's going through a mental health issue, let's at least, if we're leaders, let's handle this in a delicate and sensitive way rather than some heavy-handed way. And the other thing is that she submitted to the on-court in front of fans one-on-one after her single match here. So it's not that she's like, I refuse to talk to anyone ever. It's just she didn't want to go through the battering ram of reporters from around the world who ask all kinds of crazy things. One of them, I didn't remember this, one of them, reporters, tennis reporters, in a press conference once asked, you're going to love this, Serena Williams, if she was intimidated by Maria Sharapova's beauty. I'm, okay. So, you know, it, it, First of all, like, I don't even like, I don't even know what to say to that level of misogyny, fuckery and anti-blackness and white supremacy uh, and white supremacy. And wasn't that bitch marginal? Like anyway, they always created the media always created. And I'm not uh, a, a tennis follower uh, in the way that you are. But didn't the media always create this? This this feud, you know, as if it was like the super match, right, or the Super Bowl. Every time I mean, that the they, two of them 
uh, were connected and that bitch only won but one match, I believe, I, I mean, between she, her and Serena? She, she, yes, she struggled mightily. I think she had one win over Serena in the last like 12 or 14 years of her career. There was no rival. Serena has there, never so, had a rival. But that, but that's, Certainly not but that's Mary, the, Maria but Sharapova. That's, that's the point. But see, so here's the thing. If you look at gymnastics and what the judges just did with uh, Simone Biles, mm. and she pull, pull, pulls off the most difficult vault ever to be seen, and they don't give her a 10 for landing it, for difficulty, for her perform, for perfection, no, because no one else has ever done it before, a.k.a. no one white had done it before, and so you can't possibly get a 10. Then you have Meghan Markle, right? She was asking for help for her mental health issues. And what did the royal family say? Suck it up and do your job. And no, you can't seek therapy and you can't seek help you can't. and you can't talk about this, nor can you actually leave the palace. The Simone, Another black woman being told no. The Simone Biles story is so tragic. I am head and shoulders above all of you. I am doing things out here on the mat that none of you can even complete, complete, complete. And the powers that be response is to downgrade yep. her superior behavior. I mean, isn't the point to learn new things that no one else can do and then complete them? And, and it don't, aren't you considered like, the goat of all goats, the athlete of all athletes, if you're able to accomplish a feat that others are not able to do, isn't that the point of competition? And so to try and cut somebody down, but particularly a black woman who is beyond exceptional, right? Like that, this is, this is the theme. It's the theme throughout like the world, right? If you see a black woman, a black person doing something that is exceptional, it, it You want to piss white people off more? You want to see them up in a frenzy? It's either shut up and dribble, right? It's either shut up and sit before the cameras and let us berate you with bullshit. Let us make you choose between your Japanese heritage and your black heritage and make you choose between all of these things that have nothing, absolutely nothing to do with the skills that you are showcasing, that you were there to do. And let me tell you something. Venus Williams. This week in her fucking response to all of this, I said, I wrote it on your page and I said it on Twitter. Did they send in the medical examiner to examine that fucking room when she was done? <laughs> I have never seen somebody ether a fucking room the way that she did. It was amazing. A masterclass in shut the fuck up. I am better than all of you. So, uh, but you know, what Venus said goes to, um, I think partly the core of what we've been seeing for a very long time, for decades, um, this this battle between athletes and reporters. Because the reporters are quite often failed athletes themselves who crapped out in JV, um, were perhaps never good at sports, but in, enamored with sports. So they go into the sports business. They're enthusiasts. And they're enthusiasts, and they see themselves as intelligent and more intelligent than the athletes themselves and quite often we're seeing like short smart white men who are asking questions of large and tall black men 
And there's a resentment going on where the white guys are going, you know, you have like these physical gifts and you're not as smart as me, but you have the money and the accolades. And I kind of want to cut you down with my pen and my computer. And the black guys are like, you know what? Like, this is not easy. You can't do what I do. Like, you know, I don't need to conform to your stereotypes and your your impressions and your expectations. And I don't really appreciate your judging me. And this is part of what Naomi Osaka is talking about. It's something that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar talked about. When I interviewed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for my other podcast tour ratio, um, <laughs> we had <laughs> fucking name a dropper. fantastic <laughs> interview. And in the middle of it, I was kind of like, you know, you have this reputation of like not wanting to talk to media and being kind of rude toward media. It's like, well, you know, when I have people who like respect me and kind of know what they're talking about, then I'm happy to talk to them. And like, yeah, when you have these white guys who are basically like, mm, you're just lucky to be tall versus me, who's like, I actually have complete respect for you and what you've accomplished. He's like, this is an entirely different conversation. And this is this is part of what Naomi is talking about. From the New Yorker staff writer Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions, questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that force David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now, wherever you get your podcasts. This show is part of the Pro-Democracy Podcast Coalition. The midterms are coming, and it's more important than ever that we protect and fix our elections. We all know that our government is broken. Politicians spend more time working for themselves, their big donors, and their political party instead of for us. We as Americans have had enough of the corruption, partisan bickering, and gridlock. Look, I get that all the nonsense makes you want to tune out, but I'm here to tell you there's reason for hope. Our political system is broken now, but we can fix it. That's why we've partnered with Represent Us. 
a nonpartisan grassroots organization that has helped notch more than 160 victories to improve our elections and give power back to the voters where it belongs. Right now, until November, there are many, many ways you can get involved. Represent Us is working in cities and states to pass good government policies like ranked choice voting. And they're also recruiting folks to help staff the polls. Let's protect our elections now and for generations to come. Visit represent.us slash pod to learn more. That's represent.us slash pod. But, you know, it goes back to the point that we continually bring up on this show, whether we're talking about politics or we're talking about the politics of sport, is white fragility, which is what this all comes back to. So when you talk about, like, the physical characteristics and the differences between the athlete, right, the gladiator, and then the fucking critic in the corner behind, hiding behind their computer. Like it's, you know, it is about their feeling of insecurity, of not being great and needing to tear down other people and needing to subject them to racial animus because they have no other place to go. You know, white fragility is so deeply wrapped up in where this country is, where this country has been, where it's going, and the constant attack on critical race theory, which we talked about, but continues a pace that they are so afraid of critical race theory. And when they say that, I substitute the word the truth. And I'm like, so you're afraid of the truth? Yeah. Yeah. The things that white people have done in the past, to say nothing of the things that white people do now, but mm-hmm. the things that white people have done in the past is guilt-inducing, frightening, traumatizing to themselves. And, and I saw this really gross video earlier today where this black man was talking to his young daughter who might have been six or seven. And he's just pointing out how you know young and innocent she is she doesn't really see race she's six or seven she thinks that you know anything is possible for a black person like yeah great you know and that white people can be nice and it doesn't matter if you're white or black or yellow or green or purple you can accomplish anything and he's like see this is why critical race theory needs to be stopped and needs to not be taught because i want my daughter to believe she can accomplish anything and you know it's nice to teach your child that they can accomplish anything and i think that's important and valuable and my parents taught me that but at the same time we were open about history and racism and the reality of white supremacy because if you live in a race averse home right rather than a race aware home where you are not taught the realities of race you are left totally unequipped to understand the real world where white supremacy and white privilege and racism and the wealth gap, the criminal justice gap, all these sorts of things exist. How would she come into the world and understand what happened to George Floyd or why she didn't get that job that she was hyper-qualified for or what happened to Stacey Abrams? How would she would be completely lost in the world? So should she feel like white people are superior because if because if racism does not exist and white people have been just super successful 
then the answer must be they are inherently superior. And I damn sure don't want my children to think that. You know, I think that parents have a difficult job, right? Tell me about it. You don't want to be the pin that bursts your child's bubble, right? Like you want to protect them. You want to protect their dreams and their desires and all of these things. But you do them a disservice to make them believe that they live in a world that sees them the way that you see them, right? The world does not see your kids the way that you see them. That is clear, right? And so, because if they did, then Tamir Rice would have been allowed to play on the playground. Then Trayvon Martin would have been allowed to walk home from the local store. You know, like, so the the idea that you want to tell your children they can achieve anything, absolutely, but you're going to have to work twice as hard to get half as much. Those things are fucking true. It is why it is an adage. It's not because parents are trying to say to your kids, like, the world isn't possible for you, but like, it is, but there are going to be so many obstacles that are in your way that like, I'm going to teach you how to navigate this. I'm going to teach you how to show up in a way that gives you a fighting chance in a world that is trying to keep you down. That to me is not, that's not like, oh, we shouldn't teach critical race. And I can't stand that we keep calling it critical. I know that it is critical race theory, but all it is, is the truth. All it is, is history being told through the lens of those that have been marginalized and erased. That's all, that's all that it is. What you've been given is the white man's idea of him being the conqueror, right? And for some, something for you to wave a fucking flag around on the 4th of July. Everything else is the fucking truth, mm. right? And Joy Reid talked about this and said, you know, what, what Republicans want is the, is the whitewashed bedtime story to provide to Americans about America so that they can bolster up patriotism, right? That's like their idea. And, and, and uphold whiteness. But we live in a nightmare and everyone keeps trying to figure out like where the fuck, oh, where is this coming from? If you understood history, then you would know that there is a fine, there's not a fine line. There is a direct line from Tulsa, Oklahoma to fucking Ferguson, to fucking Minnesota, to Derek Chauvin. Like there is a direct line through here. But you've been, we've been told that no, those are siloed events. No, the fuck they are not. No. You know, my parents were super clear about slavery and racism, segregation, and just teaching me real things about black history, the hard parts about black history. And I see in this 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 ridiculous video and some people this notion that teaching children these sort of things will somehow hold them down. And just for me, it gave me an extra sense of mission and a notion that I have to make it in wherever I am going, whatever career I want to make it in. Because so many people have fought for me to have this chance. I could, I could see almost tangibly the shoulders that I stood upon. I mm-hmm. have to keep fighting because so many people have fought and died for me to be here and mm-hmm. to think about that the private school that I got to go to, the work that I got to do in graduate school and to go into media and to think about the previous generation, just one generation back, 
these were completely unthinkable things. My parents did not go to a traditional liberal arts college like I did. Going to private school like I did was completely out of their mind. That was not even possible. So to have opportunities like that and not to be fighting just to drink out of a certain water fountain, to be able to be moved forward, to not be fighting in the streets for basic rights, but like, okay, like we can try to, you know, move forward in your life because of the rights that the Black Power Generation, the Civil Rights Movement, the folks before us have fought for and won and moved the ball for, my God, I I said, I can see the shoulders that I stand upon. That's what critical race theory, or what we called it, history, gave to me. (laughs) Right. Or or what we call, you know, like the full picture of history gave all of us, you know, It is just amazing to me because it's not just what we, it's not just the shoulders that we stand upon as black people, but it's literally the stilts that hold up this fucking country, right? Like, you know, it it, it just, the fragility of whiteness is such that they must, they had the desire and the need to have to erase everything that anyone did in this country that wasn't a white man. Like I continue to learn about things each and every day of the contributions of black people to the industrialization of this nation, like to the light bulb, to all of these fucking things. And I'm like, how fragile must you be that you have to eliminate anything that everyone did to get us to the point that we are just so that you could uphold white patriot the the patriarchy and whiteness you like what the fuck is wrong with you you don't have to be um a slaveholder to be racist you don't have to be mean to black people you could be very loving you might have black friends you might love beyonce or jay-z or whatever but you are benefiting from white privilege you are benefiting from centuries of white supremacy in this country, even if you are nice and loving. So it's not about being nice. It's not about saying nice things to me and having a nice friendship with me or you. It's about the benefit of being white that extends all over the place. Work, criminal justice, education, just even the way that you are treated as you move throughout the day and it wears on you. I remember many years ago, but it stands out in the memory. I mean, like Brooklyn, right? Like you think, like in Brooklyn, I'd be good, but no, I went into this little, fun, funky uh, home furnishing, home design store Mm -hmm. for the first time owned by this uh, black man who sat in there and and I walked in and he was like, hey. And I'm like, hey. And I'm looking around and then this white woman walked in after me and he was like, hello, how are you? Welcome to the store. And I couldn't help but (laughs) turn and be like, that is not the greeting that I got. And he was like, well, excuse me, you know, and then he gave me like a nicer, fuller greeting and and I've gotten to know him and he's like a nice guy, but I'm like, 
you gave me the bullshit greeting of like, oh, it's just a black male customer. And when the white woman came in, she got the full flower of your love and acceptance. And like, you move through the world and get that constantly all day where they get that on top of you know real things the wealth gap the education gap the <laughs> criminal justice stuff you know it 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 weighs on you it's just harder to move through this country in this skin and it doesn't require you white people doing actively racist things it's already sort of baked baked in, in. it's already baked in and that's you know to bring back to come back to the point of Naomi saying that she's been suffering from depression, right? Battling with depression while she is trying to be, you know, the number one tennis player, you know, in the world. And we are hearing this more and more, right? More and more celebrities, athletes, and folks coming out and talking about their battles with depression and mental health issues anxiety, stress, all of these things, right? But when you when when a woman of color says this, right? Like I am removing myself from your system that is causing me pain. Right? And you all clearly do not care about my pain. What you care about is having my name on your fucking headlines and on your things that bring you in more money. But the moment that I utter that I am in need, right? That I need some fucking grace. Then all of a sudden it's shut up and do your job. And I think that there is this dismissal. Like when you think about what it means to live and exist in a black body, not just in this country, but around the world and the thousands of slights and strikes that we have to deal with this death by a thousand cuts. And you think to yourself like, how do you get up and sit in front of a press corps that is probably all, you know, majority white men, maybe yeah. a couple of white women, yeah. right? For this, for this sport. Well, for, for her, she'll she'll have some Asian folks because the Japanese media will put more attention on her. But yeah, the press corps in tennis is overwhelmingly white. Yeah. So I can't imagine as this young woman of color sitting in front of being asked some of the most ridiculous racist bullshit and you're just supposed to slap on a smile right and this is what i'm saying it is doing media as an it is not people gonna watch the game they're gonna watch the match regardless right Right? like they don't actually give a hey i'm alok the host of build the change a brand new podcast from mac blue about the people at the center of progress Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Fuck. Right. Like is, is everything is is the price of, of the seat hanging on like on, on what she says after the match or Look, before? If she if she plays just like if LeBron plays or what have you, the broadcast itself airs that one on one that they do on the court right after the whole thing ends. Right. Like a reporter from the broadcasting team is asking them questions right after it ends. Then they go into the press conference. The broadcast does not air the press conference. It might air on YouTube. It might air on ESPN Plus. You know, but like, you don't, they don't, if it's so important, why is it not broadcast? You can't find that on NBC or ESPN or with the rest of the broadcast of the... we come for the play, not for the, all the little crap they say after. Now, before we go, how is your Pride Month going? Do you have some <laughs> plans for Pride Month that, you know, that you want to talk about? Like, what's going on? Um, You know, Pride, I, I, I love Pride I used to really love it during the Obama years because it meant, you know, going to the White House and and seeing folks that literally live and work um, in the LGBTQ movement and being able to connect and, you know, be in community. Um, I miss the parades and all of that good stuff. But I think that the last year, you know, really helped kind of recenter what pride is about, which is like the battle to be seen the invisibilizing that happens. I mean, at the beginning of Pride Month, what did we have? Oh, I don't know. Fucking DeSantis decide to ban transgender girls from being able to participate in sports that they, you know, want to participate in. What what are we seeing across this country are bans against fucking children, right? So it is, you know, while it's supposed to be a celebration um, and recognition of the fights that have come before it started, as everyone knows, as a riot against police brutality and harassment. Um, but it, it is it is bittersweet because people thought that marriage was going to be some type of silver bullet. And you see that, you know, the community is still under attack, right? Like we are still like the number one target for, you know, for Republicans. Um, and so it's I I feel a mix, you know, like a mixed bag this year where I I'm hopeful that young people will still young queer kids will still be able to see like a future. But at the same time, if you're living in these red states and, you know, and you're watching people debate whether or not you can play a sport with your friends, whether or not you can use the bathroom and you have administrators that now have the right to just deny your very existence. Um, it makes me sad and it makes me worried because these are the kids 
that are more likely to commit suicide, that are more likely to be homeless, that are more likely to struggle with mental health, like, you know, deep mental health issues. And we are just creating a society that puts a target on their back. So, you know, I I want young queer kids to feel proud about who they are and see, you know, their future in the Laverne Coxes and Angelica Rosses and Billy Porters and, you know, and, and Lena Waits and all of these people who are doing amazing things. But at the same time, I'm just like, we, we need to fix our politics and our world so that they can actually have a future. Yeah. I always thought marriage was important, uh, gay marriage, because it put an imprimatur on a relationship that led to straight people saying this relationship is as valuable and as important and as much of a seed of a family as any other Mm -hmm. and sort of saying well this relationship over here you have to be girlfriends or boyfriends forever but this man and a woman can ascend to husband and wife like it's it's arbitrary and for straight people it did put a sort of segregation sort of romantic segregation on it like your relationship is not as serious and the lack of a sense of the seriousness of Mm -hmm. gay love and relationships especially Mm -hmm. gay male relationships was deep a deep homophobia within straight people so Mm -hmm. saying especially to men i think the notion that women would create family and community was assumed but like that men were just sort of like oh you know and like to say like to see men get married and make a commitment to each other um, was really big, I think, in saying to straight people, like, these relationships are serious and important and equally important as any other, as any straight relationship. The st- it's interesting because that was an intellectual struggle for some people, right? Mm-hmm. And not necessarily something that 18-year-old me would have understood the value and importance of gay people getting married, but, you know, I've had gay people in my life and I saw the world and I came to understand like, yes, this is really important. Um, Now more, there's a challenge for a lot of people in accepting trans people. Right. And like the question before was like, how do you know you're gay? When did you know you're gay? Like these sorts of, are you really sure? Maybe you haven't right. The met the right man or woman yet. And you're like, no, no, like, I'm gay. I'm never going to meet the right man or woman, what have. But with now, they folks are putting those questions on trans people and saying like, well, how do you know? Maybe you haven't. Maybe you need this. And you know, I don't think I I full. You, you, I think you have to really interact with the reality and the real information before you really get it. And I don't think I really got it until I had a deep conversation with a friend of mine who has a trans son and she talked about her son being prelingual, like 18 months old and biting her tooth and nail against wearing dresses. And because the child couldn't talk, she's like, I don't really understand what's going on. But the child Mm -hmm. freaks out every time I put a dress on her. Mm -hmm. And when the child was old enough to talk, she started expressing a desire, what my friend understood as a desire to be male, which she came mm-hmm. to understand as, no, I am male, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, a desire to kill herself. 
And I'll never forget my friend saying, when your child, who's like two mm-hmm. and a half, says they want to kill themselves, you figure it out really fast about like what is really going on and how you need to show up for your child. And she's like, it's not like I wanted to become a trans activist, but like my child needed me. Because their life is hanging in the balance. And I think that, you know, what always disturbs me about the, and I don't even want to call it conversations. It's just the blatant bigotry and transphobia that we see on the right, but also on the left, because I'm not going to say that there, because there is transphobia within the LGBTQ community, right? Mm. And, you know, and, and, and what you see there is just like blatant ignorance and denial of people to have the ability to have autonomy over themselves and their body. There is, there is this desire within our society to put people in boxes and tell them how to act and tell them who they are. And I, you know, there was this young boy who sat before one, I I think it was, uh, I think it was just recently in Alabama that their, their, their anti-trans bill was shot down. But like this young boy is sitting there and just saying, I just want to play with my friends. Like, why are you denying me a childhood? Like you shouldn't have to be sitting before an assembly as a fucking preteen talking about you're robbing me in my childhood to the party that wants to talk about family fucking values, but you want our kids to kill themselves. I mean, you right. Like really, that's how you win. Do people really think that people would overturn their lives in order to have athletic superiority? It's just, but the, it like, and again, if you were to lay it out like that for them to array, like they would come back at you with some bullshit and fuckery. I mean, you had Caitlyn Jenner, who everyone knows if you follow me on Twitter, that I can't stand that bitch. OK. Um, and I will say when she was asked. Should trans girls be allowed to play sports? No, I don't think so. Shut the entire fuck up. Right. Ask so when which, I say ask her which tease she used when she plays golf. You know what? I, I, I just he uses I, the women's tease. It's just it. What is so disgusting is just the need to control the desire to control whether you're using religion as your tool, whether you're you're masquerading it because you're just a bigot. But it's the desire to control and and not allow people to be who they are. Right. And 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 you and you tell yourself that it's some type of mental gymnastics to meet people where they are when it really isn't. Right. Um, You um, you said you wanted us to watch Masters of None, the new third season. Um, I did. And um, I don't want to spend too long on it because I don't want to ruin it for folks. And I don't know how many folks have listened, have watched it, Um, but it's a really beautiful heart-wrenching story about um a lesbian couple who's just trying to live trying to have a family you know you could have done the same story with a straight couple obviously there's you know lesbian aspects to their love and their relationship but like ultimately it's two people who are having a relationship having a marriage trying to have a baby Trying to have a baby. But I thought that what was 
um, it, it wasn't it's not a perfect season by by any stretch, but it's it's filmed beautifully. Um, the black the 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 blackness of it all, I I really loved, and mm. like what it means to be in relationship with another black woman, I thought was really beautifully um, articulated on screen. But also, you know, what people fail to understand too is, and I thought that they did a good job of explaining this, is the battle to just have children as a as a as a single lesbian, as a as a lesbian couple, as a gay couple, what have you. Like there are it's it's there's just so much. Um, and I think that for folks, if you haven't seen it, um, give it, you know, give it a watch because it is very eye opening, but also it is also very triggering if you've ever been in like rough relationships or gotten out of rough relationships. Um, it's like, fuck, I've had that argument. Right. That's how I felt when I watched. Um, what was the other one? Malcolm and um, and uh, Marie. Yeah. Was that the uh, it was the same thing. It's just like, oh, we've all had that argument like and said those exact same things. Um, and that's the commonality of it that I really enjoyed as well. Masters, Master of None, the third season, there's very little, not that I don't love him, but there's very little Aziz and Sorry. It's almost 99% Lena Waithe mm-hmm. and her partner going through having a relationship, trying to get pregnant, and, you know, what happens out of that. There's a lot of good black television on right now. I can't get enough of Pose, even though the show is a mess, mm-hmm. but I love the show to death. <laughs> um, there's Black Lady Sketch Show. Who Pose comes out Sundays. Black Lady Sketch Show comes out Fridays. Black Lady Sketch Show is awesome. We're taking Danielle's card because she has not watched the new season. And Oh, my God. Tori is always on a quest to take somebody's card. No, just yours. And Legendary... Okay comes out thursday nights which is so awesome it is so dripping in blackness and ballroom and just culture and beauty and i freaking love it to death um so i'm i'm loving legendary by next week maybe danielle will have watched i will i one will or two. i will i'm going to i'm going to say now a, that i will take watch take a break it because... from trying to save the world to yeah, watch and just legendary just forget about it <laughs> i'll forget about it and watch tv instead i mean and look for you enjoyment can't, you can you can't try to save the world 24 hours a day you got to have some self care you got to right. watch you're, some you're 100% TV. right you gotta yes. get some popcorn, get some Block couch time, like not be thinking about saving the world. Self care. This is the biggest thing that I learned when I did like a year long dive into Black Lives Matter um, mm. for mm. Rolling Stone many years ago. Um, that a large part of what they are talking about and thinking about is self care. And yeah. that could mean whatever it means to you. And sometimes that means getting together with a group of black people sitting in a in the park and just playing it's not Mm. overtly political but of course everything that we do is personal in is political in the personal sense but like it's not overtly political it's not a march it's not like reading you know france fanon or whatever it's just reclaiming your peace and your soul because you need to breathe you need to do yoga you need to 
play tennis, you need to have that moment where you like rest and recharge. Recharge so that this world will drain you. Yes, when the battle comes, you're ready because you can't be fighting 24 hours a day. You need to recharge. You're like a phone. You need to recharge your battery. You're 100% right, Torrey. And you can do that watching Legendary. I will. And then we can discuss that next week. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. You only have a season and a half to catch up on. Okay. Thank you for listening to Democracy-ish. I'm Torrey. And I'm Danielle Moody. And we'll be back next week. Who knows? (laughs) There could be another insurrection in the works. White people stay plotting, so stay up, y'all. Stay up and hang on.